You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello, everyone. Good day to you. Welcome to the seventh episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast. This is a podcast focusing on test cricket by Armchair Critics of the Game. We are recording this on uh, February the 9th at the close of play on the first day, uh, the third um, test match going on at uh, St. Lucia, uh, England and West Indies. Um, thank you for all your support. Uh, do keep listening to our podcast and also introduce this to your cricket-loving friends. You can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify and uh, other podcasting platforms. Just look for Armchair Cricket Podcast. Please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and uh, share your thoughts in the comment section. You can email email us on armchair.cricket at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at armchairquickpod. We are sometimes on Twitter during uh, live matches. You can join us there for a banter. Now, I have with me today Ajit. Hi, Ajit. How are you doing? Hello, Giri. I'm doing good. Uh, so, a lot of cricket to catch up with again in mm-hmm. these couple of days. How about you? Yeah. How have you been? Uh, likewise, likewise here. Uh, just started with uh, the last test match of the West Indies and uh, England, uh, you know, series. So, so I think we'll have some more days of cricket. Uh, nice to uh, be, you know, uh, nice to be talking to you again. Indeed. So, um, before we go over to the uh, test match, uh, maybe we can quickly discuss the answer to the trivia question from the last week. So, the trivia question last week was, when and where was the only test tri-series held and who played in it, right? So, the answer to this question is the 1912 triangular tournament held in England between uh, May 27th and 22nd August in uh, England, which uh, basically was a round-robin league tournament. There were nine matches, and the other teams participating in it were Australia and South Africa. So, this was a round-robin league where, you know, it was quite illustrious. It was the most, uh, let's say, illustrious cricket tournament of that times because there was only a test cricket, of course. So, Australia was captained by Sid Gregory. Uh, England were captained by C.B. Fry. And South Africa were captained by Frank Mitchell. And uh, there were some very well-known names like Jack Hobbs and Wilfred Rhodes, who represented England, and then Warren Bardsley, who played for Australia, and uh, Dave Nurse and Aubrey Faulkner, who played for uh, South Africa. And England had won that tournament. So mm-hmm. this happened in 1912. And this is the only known instance of a tri-nation test series being held, mm-hmm. which has sort of uh, happened... Uh, you know, in the same location where all the mm. three countries stayed in the same location. Uh, this is sort of a you know tough question, uh, and there were no responses from any of our listeners. So I would always encourage our listeners to go on and listening listen to our trivia question and maybe get back to us with some answers. Right? Yeah. All right. We'll uh, get to the trivia question for this week at the end of this episode. So I hope yeah. our listeners are listening to it. Then. Now, um, let's go on to the ongoing test, the only ongoing test, which is the third test between England and West Indies, what you've already mentioned so far in St. Lucia. So, we've just completed the first day's play, right? And um, 
England batted out the first day comfortably. They've gotten to 231 for four. It was a slightly truncated day. So it was only 83 overs. But uh, England seemed to have made a good comeback. Initially, having uh, won the toss, West Indies chose to field. Right. So mm. England made a couple of changes to their uh, 11 from the second test. They had, uh, you know, uh, Keaton Jennings who replaced the keeper, folks, and they had Mark Wood who brought in some firepower. They replaced him uh, or they replaced Sam Curran with him. So, you know, this was this was expected to be a very fast pitch. Uh, so uh, I think uh, West Indians, because they lost uh, uh, the captain holder to an overrated ban, ban, they mm. gave the captaincy to Craig Brathwaite. And they included Kimo Paul, who's more or less a like-for-like replacement for Holder, not in terms of height or experience, but as a he's a fast bowler who bats in the lower middle order and he bowls around 130 kph, similar, very similar to uh, Holder in this sense. So uh, they started in a let's say in a calamitous way again. Well, they were able to spend some time the Indies, uh, the uh, England openers. So, Keaton Jennings was back. Look, did not really look comfortable, but he made uh, 8 of 43 before being dismissed. And then uh, they went to lunch at uh, 41 for uh, 46 for 1. And then after that, uh, Rory Burns was dismissed at 69. Then Joe Denley followed him at the same score. So, at around uh, 107, when they lost Joe Root, England looked to be in trouble, like all the old frailings from the previous tests. It looked like they were coming up, but uh, Butler and Stokes played very mature hands. Uh, Butler was is not out on 67 and Stokes is not out on 62. So they lead England uh, into tomorrow and I think England, this is the most promising innings England have played this tour, I think. Yeah. What do you say? Yeah, I think uh, if they finally, you know, their middle order comes together and then plays uh, a big part, uh, I would say. Uh, especially Josh Butler and uh, Ben Stokes. I think Root was uh, the dismissal of Root was uh, a bit soft. I think he got a toe, he got an edge of the toe of the bat to the keeper. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was it was a weird dismissal. It was a very soft dismissal. He went after a, a wide one. Uh, All right. Got a toe end. Uh, but apart from that, I think if you look at these two guys, uh, Butler and uh, Stokes, they played a very good uh, hand. Um, at the same time, uh, I think. Butler was a bit uncomfortable when he came in, so was Stokes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they rode a bit of luck, and then uh, I think the West Indian bowlers also started to tire. And uh, yeah, that's basically it. I think they um, they didn't have that. Uh, I think the West Indian bowlers, if you look at their uh, performance today, they bowled quite tight line and length at the beginning. Um, but I couldn't. I, I think they couldn't make any incisive breakthroughs after uh, the fall of Joe Root. Although yeah. you know, although they. <laughs> Uh, I think I have to say England had a bit of a, a good fortune there uh, when uh, Stokes was cotton balled to um, uh, this guy um, Az- Alzari Joseph. Yeah. Only yeah. to find out that it was a no ball he had overstepped. Um, wow. I think okay. it was yeah yeah. But apart from that, I think it's definitely a better performance by England. Um, I think this is the first century partnership in the whole series. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not wrong, this was. When it was not yet a hundred uh, run partnership, it was I think the third fifty or plus fifty plus partnership for England in the entire series. So wow. just, that just goes to show how badly England have played or how well West Indies have bowled actually uh, in the series. Indeed, you know, and, a three Test match series, just the third one. Yeah, and I think I also read this somewhere. I think Ben Stokes he uh, suffered a bruised heel while running on the beach. Can you imagine that? 
uh, but he was you know deemed fit to play today so good that he turns out and then uh, plays some mature innings of 60 62 uh, and about st lucia being one of the fastest pitches well at least at the toss this is i think what uh, brathwaite uh, mentioned uh, the the pitch may be really fast but i think it's a terribly slow outfield um, and if you look at the score england have scored 231 mm-hmm. um, i think they may be 20 runs short because of the outfield i think they could have easily crossed 50 uh, had some of the uh, shots they played you know the, the ball had effect carried to the uh, boundary uh, they would have scored at least 20 runs more and i yeah. i was also listening to this guy uh, jeffrey duj on uh, on the commentary Mm-hmm. um and uh, he mentioned the par score for first innings here is about 320 or so 300 320 and okay. if england can get 300 or above that they're in with a chance to you know uh, force a result in their favor uh, and Indeed. of course the pitch is doing a lot so it's it's still there is a lot of seam movement there is also swing in the air i mean not a lot of swing but there is definitely seam movement it's it's there if you looked at um, how this guy Kimo Paul was bowling uh, i think there was a lot of seam movement he beat uh, um, ben stokes a lot of times uh, ben he was bowling around the wicket to ben stokes and he was playing for the ball coming in but it straightened off the pitch a lot of mm-hmm. times and mm-hmm. also missing the top of off stump uh, uh, a couple of times so there is a lot for the bowlers uh, and when england do uh, finish their uh, batting and when uh, anderson and broad and also mark would come up to bowl i think they will have a lot to play with uh, I think Anderson and Broad will probably be salivating at the prospect of bowling at uh, West Indies. Indeed. Sort of uh, a depleted West Indian side, I think, because Jason Holder is not playing. I think uh, his presence means a lot to them. Their body language was not uh, so good, I would say. I mean, I think uh, they were a bit down today. I don't know why, but maybe they are also a bit tired physically. Nah, you're you got quite a lot of points, right? I mean, you basically encapsulated most of the things very well. So I think you're right. Just a couple of things. What I noticed one at 193 when you noticed that uh, you know the catch from uh, Stokes, which Alzari Joseph caught, it mm-hmm. looked like he had overstepped. So that mm-hmm. could have been very crucial. If yeah. if England were 193 for five. Uh, look, they have one additional batsman to come in at this stage, right? So, Best was batting below Stokes in this test because he's the keeper. Yeah. And they lengthened their order by including Jennings at the top, right? So, they have that meant you know maybe it could have been a challenging time for Best to come in. Now, tomorrow, even if they were to lose a wicket quickly, this is a different uh, time to come yeah. in at two fifty or so, right? And even if Best or uh, one of the other guys get out, I think they have Moin Ali coming in who can play counter-attacking innings. Like Indeed. He does normally, yeah. Indeed. So this seems like a more reasonable selection when it comes to Test match cricket for this sort of conditions, right? From England, mm-hmm. I think you know in the 70s and the late uh, 70s, early 80s, the Dutch football team had this uh, total football concept, right? Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. there were no specified or specialist players playing in a certain part of the uh, yeah. football field, but anybody could be anywhere except the keeper, or even the, maybe the keeper could replace somebody else. So England were sort of heading to that sort of a you know territory where they had many all-rounders in their test team mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. This, this sort of a thing might work in a shortened format somehow yeah. in the longer formats only specialists really yeah i think sort of pay very true. you yeah. can see yeah. even looking back ponting did not choose to bowl all these greats of their times there are very few kalis might be an example uh, who's an exception but outside of that those that have been really successful in tests are usually very good at one or the other even when it comes to keeping boucher or adam gilchrist you know had a very long career 
Mm. And usually they were also unburdened; uh, they were not captains or something. So that helps in tests. I think captaining a test team in itself is a full-time job. And as you rightly mentioned, Holder's presence was felt today, or his lack of presence was lack really noticed. Presence, yeah. yeah, on the field. Mm. And um, you are absolutely right. So the, very nicely summarized, I would say. So going forward, just just one small point there. Mm. I think the one-day squad for West Indies has been announced for to play against England, and uh, we see something interesting there that Gale and Lewis are back into the squad. Uh, Gale has been given a chance. Uh, to try to probably push a case for a World Cup berth, do you think? Yeah, how old is he now? Is he almost? Is approaching uh, towards forty, right? Yes, yes. I think he's thirty-eight uh, plus. Yes. Yeah, and he, he might be a powerful hitter. I think he's not a good fielder. I think he no, no. Fitness. You're right. Yeah, he he can barely walk on the field. I think he cannot. Uh, he's not so agile as he once was. Exactly. exactly. If he, if he ever was, but uh, anyway, that's another story. Um, I don't know. I think they should have given chance to uh, youngsters. Exactly. Um, no, but, I, I think uh, there may be a little bit of a romantic notion, you know, yeah. getting him one song, one song possibly yeah. mm-hmm. from international cricket, totally, as you say. Uh, but mm-hmm. you were going to add something else to young youngsters when you said, do you have anybody in mind, maybe, or in general? Um, I think you uh, you you could probably hand a um, uh, you know hand a chance to. Uh, the other big uh, Brathwaite, uh, Carlos. Yeah, indeed. So uh, that's the um, other guy missing, hmm. indeed, from the squad. Yeah, but I can't think of anyone else. But uh, you, 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 you look at uh, the current squad, I think they have uh, guys like uh, Hetmeyer. Uh, Shea Hope is also part of the ODI side, right? I think. Yes, he's, he's in fact very successful in And Monday. also Bravo, um, Darren, Darren Bravo. Uh, no, I don't think. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. Darren Bravo is yeah. also on the team. Darren Bravo, so. Uh, maybe Gail is, I think, uh, a step in the wrong direction. That's my opinion. But uh, let's see. I mean, if he comes out with flying colors, then I will be proven wrong. <laughs> okay. Now we both will be. But look, what you are absolutely right when you say he's not as agile or as mobile as he used to be in his younger days, right? Mm. And the other point you raised is right that his productivity is sort of very less these days. You know, he is very explosive and very effective, but not as often as he as he used to be. Even in the T20 mm. formats, he's yeah. not. He's probably performing well once every five or six matches rather than every other match, you know, as he used to. Mm. Age is catching up with him by the looks of it. And when it comes to his mobility, when he was younger, I think he always was this cool cat. He wouldn't sort of, he's not one of those guys that like, likes diving around too much physical, you know, uh, activity. But I think he was very quick in his younger days, I remember. But okay, mm. I mean, that's uh, back, back 15 years ago, I think. Anyway, um, so another thing going forward, um, Ma Samuels has been left out. Marlon Samuels has been left mm. out, right? If you look at the okay. list of uh, exclusions, uh, the rest, uh, rest of them sort of were left out based on their performances. Marlon Samuels was neither here nor there in the previous series. I don't know if they're sort of giving him a signal saying you need to pick up your game or this might be the end of the road for him. We don't know for sure. When it comes to test matches, the door has been shut on him. But I don't mm. know if this also means in the one-day format they want to go ahead without him. But Marlon um, Samuels is also about, I think he's also about 38 or 39. So, so wrong side 36. of 30. For sure. Closer for sure, to 40. Yeah. Yes, yes. All um, right. Some yeah. interesting points there. Let's see how this uh, one day series, I think in one of our upcoming episodes, we get to cover this. For sure. In one yeah. of the upcoming episodes, when I look at it, maybe, maybe they may even revisit the squad going later into the series. We'll see. Uh, the West Indies mm. board. I mean, mm. let's see how it uh, goes. 
right yeah all right now shall we move on to the new zealand versus india one dayers yeah let's do that all right uh sorry i meant the t20s so okay uh, would you like to maybe go through the scorecards of the first and the second t20 degree uh let's start with the first one um, all right. which was played at wellington mm-hmm. um <laughs> i don't know what to say i think this was a comprehensive victory by uh, new zealand uh, i think their batsmen completely uh, um, kind of demolished indian bowling attack they scored 200 plus um mm-hmm. and uh, india couldn't come up with the goods i think they were well short mm-hmm. um so for for um, for new zealand this wicketkeeper uh, this new guy seifert i think tim seifert mm-hmm. uh, he played uh, very attacking uh, 84 uh, at the top of the order and then that basically set the tone for them and then kane williams kane williamson also uh, chipped in with uh, 30 odd runs um, for india i think they had one of the most um, worst i mean i think this was probably the their worst bowling performance in t20 i see uh, or one of them one of their uh, worst i think uh-huh. uh, together bhuvneshwar kumar and kalil ahmed these two guys together considered uh, 95 runs uh, between them uh, yeah. the most by a pair of indian opening bowlers so that's quite a lot oh. of runs uh, <laughs> okay they were hammered around hammered around the park um, i yeah. mean of course pandya got some couple of wickets uh, but also cost a lot of runs Yuzi Chahal, I think, got a wicket, but not nothing of uh, note there. Uh, India in return, I think they they had a batting uh, collapse. There, there was nothing there in the batting. Um, my, you know, Dhoni got some 30 odd runs. Shikhar Dhawan was out for 29. But mm-hmm. Team Saudi, uh, their fast bowling attack, especially Lockie Ferguson. I saw this live. He was bowling really well. He got a couple of wickets along with uh, Team Saudi, who got three wickets. So wow. it was a comprehensive, uh, you know, <laughs> kind of a demolition job. You can call it that. by uh, new zealand against india so india was completely exposed uh, i would say but maybe it was the one of their you know off days that was about the first uh, t20 mm-hmm. uh, do you have anything mm-hmm. to add there well i mean no you covered it mostly so as you say you know the only thing is i followed it very sporadically but uh, tim seifert i think he was on track for a big score mm-hmm. he made an 84 but he was already out in the 13th over so there is a good chance he could have gone on to probably got a 100 for himself yeah right they were always hit us down the order so new zealand score was showed up nicely but he himself could have got a very big score right yeah, yeah and what you said uh, already what you pointed out between kumar ahmed and pandya they mm. have each gone for nearly 12 an over and between them yeah. they have easily topped 12 an over that that is a terrible performance so yeah. you could not have asked for too much there and uh, when it comes to indian batting well dhoni sort of mm. he played a lone hand of 39 but it was clearly the match was clearly gone i think yeah um, pandya supported him the older pandya right krunal but yeah. um, mm. well i think that's a, that's a nice thing to see krunal pandya is sort of making a very good case for himself in the t20 format at least mm. he'll probably keep out somebody like uh, you know jadeja who mm. would normally be considered mm. because of his all round skills this guy is now made a place for himself in the t20 format maybe i don't know if it also means he gets a shout in in the home odis i don't see yeah. him really traveling with the indian team but you know this is interesting so that's one uh, thing i noticed the other thing uh, india have tried to sort of push uh, shankar at number 3 yeah in both the t20s right so we'll also look at the second one shortly so yeah. that seems to be a good experiment that uh, yeah. he sort of had two useful knocks but really not a 50 or a mm. high very big score so maybe that's on him uh, so would you want to go yeah. to the second one then 
Yeah, just one more additional note I wanted to mention. Uh, um, so in this uh, New Zealand tour, I think Indian bowlers have bowled really well, uh, both in uh, the ODIs as well as in the T20s. I think there have been only two occasions when they have let their team down, kind of. Um, I think it was probably at Hamilton, where India lost very cheaply there, the ODI at Hamilton. Okay. Where India got out for 93 runs, they had nothing to defend basically. So they, exactly. They yeah, couldn't yeah. do anything. Um, and of course, this was the uh, uh, the latest uh, one we mentioned, the first uh, T20 match. That's for that was the other occasion when they failed. But otherwise, if you look at Indian bowling, I think they have been quite good even without Bumrah. Mm. So mm. that's a point worth uh, noting, I would say. Um, so moving on to the second ODI, uh, this was played at Auckland, Eden Park, uh, one of the iconic venues at uh, New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, which doubles up, of course, as the you know football stadium. I think where uh, the straight boundary on one side towards the midwicket is quite short. So you know that, right? I mean, it's a very different. Uh, um, okay, but then um, so uh, I think New Zealand batted first in this match, uh, and Indian bowlers. I think they again came up with the goods. They were really good. Um, so Krunal Pandya got three four. And uh, Khalil Ahmad got 2-4. Uh, he bowled very well towards the end. I think Khalil Ahmad was good at the death. Mm-hmm. Um, they basically did not allow to uh, New Zealand to you know uh, you know make any progress. Uh, that the top order was uh, they they made they made uh, you know dents at the top order quite uh, frequently. So they had regular fall of wickets. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think they were about five down. Uh, sorry, four down when came Ken Williamson got out. Uh, he was out to uh, Krunal Pandya, LBW. Mm-hmm. And then uh, this was still 8th over, I think. So they had a lot of overs to bat. Uh, and then Ross Taylor and uh, Colin de Grandhom, uh, they took over. Uh, especially Grandhom. De Grandhom, he played a very attacking innings. Uh, he played a quick fire. Uh, he made a quick fire 50 runs uh, out of uh, 28 balls. Uh, and Ross Taylor supported him. He was playing the second field. Um, mm-hmm. So they, 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 I think because of... Uh, those two guys, New Zealand were able to, you know, post 158. Although when uh, De Grandhom and when those two guys, uh, Taylor and uh, De Grandhom, uh, got out, there was nothing else remaining in the tank for the other guys. I think the the other guys got out cheaply. And India bowled really well at the death, especially uh, Khalil Ahmad. He came back and then took pick, uh, took two uh, quick wickets, um, both Santner and then uh, Saudi. And New Zealand ended up with 158. Um, in response, India got off to a flyer. Um, with uh, Rohit Sharma and Shikhar Dhawan. Um, I think mm-hmm. uh, Rohit Sharma got a 50, quick wire 50, 29 ball 50. He played a beautiful innings. I think we were, this time he was well in control. Um, and he also handled the uh, short ball uh, really well. I think they, he got out to Lockie Ferguson in the first match to a short ball. He was trying to pull and then pull is one of his favorite shots. And this time he played that well. He even, I think he smacked him for a six over midweek. It was one of, it was a sight to behold. Um, I see. I yeah. See. Yeah, and um, Shikhar Dhawan uh, played well for a 30. Um, I think when these two got out, then uh, Rishabh Pant came at uh, number three, and then also Vijay Shankar came in at number four. So Rishabh Pant was promoted up the order mm-hmm. this time round. Like you said, mm-hmm. Vijay Shankar was played at uh, number three in the first T20. The second one he came in at number four. Um, Vijay Shankar proved real good promise. He played some beautiful shots. He hit a couple of uh, boundaries, I think one six and a four. And then mm-hmm. he got out. He got out. He holed out at the deep. And then uh, Rishabh Pant was then joined by MS Dhoni, uh, Master and the Apprentice. Um, and they <laughs> saw <enough>. India home. <laughs> and they good saw enough. India home safely. Uh, there was nothing remaining. I think New Zealand had already lost the game. Uh, 
uh, by the time uh, rohit sharma and shikhar dhawan got out uh, india had a good start so they finished it off with a with an overs to over to spare um krunal pandya was the man of the match because of his bowling performance uh, and now the series is at 1-1 with everything to play for at uh, i believe hamilton the next yeah. game which is played which will be played on the 10th of february sunday yeah in a, only in a couple of hours they'll begin so yeah by the time our night's done tomorrow early morning it'll be a nice thing to wake up to for us i guess so just a couple of small points so you very nicely summarized the entire match right so basically india made a comeback now it's a one all so it's uh, uh, you know in the last 2 to 3 overs that's more mm-hmm. or less when i started following the match i think uh, uh, grandholm just got out if i'm not wrong and then i started following the match and then i saw that as you say between ahmed and uh, bhuvi kumar i think they bowled really well in the 10th yeah. and i think new zealand could never get out so you had santner kuglen and saudi whoever santner can hang around and kuglen and saudi can hit out yeah. but uh, they sort of kept them under check and uh, there were no big hits in the last 2 to 3 overs i think they were only able to at run a ball or so which is mm-hmm. fantastic and then uh, you know rare end of a t20 innings that's one point so the other point as you say you know i think the indian team management is thinking differently when it comes to the finishing overs in t20 i mm. think they retain their uh, most uh, explosive hitters for the last four to five overs mm. even if it's a chase right mm. you saw that by they first of all sent in pant who could sort of replace a shikhar dhawan like innings mm. right mm. lefty who hits out yeah. rohit sharma and shikhar dhawan you said had sort of broken the back of the chase so yeah. just to make sure there is no loss of momentum they sent in somebody like pant and vijay mm-hmm. shankar is still sort of promoted into the top 3 or 4 as you say you know yeah. so that i think he they are trying to see if this guy can uh, become a useful all rounder in the shorter formats for india yeah. Yeah. right and then of course as you say dhoni and pant wrapped it up so uh, that was a again a comprehensive comeback from india i think mm-hmm. they have had these one or two wake up calls the 93 all out in hamilton or the first t20 you know it's mm-hmm. it's a good thing i think so this this sort of completely um, gives the team Uh, an opportunity to first of all play around with their combinations and see mm. where they stand right it's the, i think the same for both the teams just i'm also looking at what will happen tomorrow yeah. if you were to look at the preview again it's it's a very nice uh, ground to play and i think it's a very high scoring ground what i read about it mm. for tomorrow's preview but um, again new zealand are also trying to do quite a lot of changes in their lineup and i think colin munro got a life lifeline because uh, gottel was injured and he's been brought back into the 11 and he's sort of still trying to push his case for the world cup right but he's not been able to do much in the last uh, one day and these two t20s so he's sort of trying to get there you know yeah. and then outside of that that's one of the talking points from new zealand for me the other one i think um, team saudi has sort of lost his footing a little bit in the limited overs formats in the premier format in the test format it's him and bolt but in the limited overs format i think saudi's star is sort of waning so i think this might be another case he performed well in the first t20 right so he might still be trying to prove that he has quite a lot left in the tank when it comes to the limited over formats right yeah. and he even occasionally captains the t20 team so <clears throat> just a couple of you know battle within the battle sort of situations for new zealand mm-hmm. but when it comes to india yeah um, we can see that you know um, india has been experimenting nicely karthik may be promoted tomorrow instead of pant you know mm-hmm. if let's say at whatever point in time if rohit sharma were to be dismissed early maybe we may see karthik mm-hmm. coming in he's not had a role shankar so might not, still be mm-hmm. retained in the top 4 you say karthik karthik uh, will not play the role of a finisher in that case because that's no, but, a stipulated role right i mean that's what he is uh, yeah. you're right you're yeah. right that could be mm-hmm. the right approach as well 
and um, but i i think between dhoni and the pandya brothers there's quite mm. a lot of firepower down the order if required right yeah yeah and uh, you might be right that they may choose to in fact promote uh, hardik of the order as well mm. instead of you know pant so we have a good lineup this is not a problem it's mostly going to be a battle between the bowlers again tomorrow mm. this is what i this is what i predict right because it's yeah. a high scoring ground it's going to be a very entertaining series decider and if you were to look at the overall picture this is the end of let's say the touring season for india they have had a very successful tour of australia and new zealand and mm. i think uh, at the near the end of the tour they would want to take it out uh, on a high they would want to win this t20 tour this this might be a target the indian team might have yeah. for itself right but i think so, even if the uh, the end result is not in india's favor you know even if they lose tomorrow i think uh, it's it should still be okay overall performance has been good and they have a lot of things uh, they they have ticked off you know from their uh, checklist in preparation for the world cup so the only thing that's important is they should not let any uh, kind of complacency to set in i think that's important so they should keep everybody on their toes uh, yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right you're right yeah. and i think by shuffling this order they are trying to do that yeah. more people get game time and also more people are a bit you know there is no set roles i think the top two are fixed in stone and when kohli comes back probably he'll take the number 3 Right. Yeah. Outside of that, I think uh, they want to keep uh, the rest of the batting lineup very mm-hmm. agile, you know, so that they can keep mm-hmm. uh, rolling it around. So uh, this was the men's T20. If yeah. you were to look at uh, the women's T20 quickly, so mm-hmm. this every T20 between the in India and New Zealand has been a double header. So the women get to play first on the same ground, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then they uh, go back. So yeah. the men's get to uh, play so if you were to look at uh, you know uh, the first t20 between new zealand women and uh, india women so it was again uh, new zealand women batted first and they scored 159 mm-hmm. india women could not chase it and they were 136 all out in the last over right so the new zealand women had a strong start they had uh, sophie divine who made a 62 and then the captain satarthwait made 33 and they were not able to really kick on and get a very big score but they had a strong finish mm. and then the indian team started really well the batters uh, mandana and rodriguez gave it, gave them a good start but uh, none of the middle order could um, you know capitalize on it and we still saw that sort of i think uh, mithali raj has been kept out of this lineup again so mm-hmm. it's sort of a uh, i think they're trying to let her know Uh, that maybe they are trying to experiment with younger players uh, somebody who would probably serve indian team well in the upcoming decade or so and mm-hmm. uh, mithali raj star is sort of undoubted but uh, let's say they are trying to also see if more people can fit in right mm-hmm. in the second one as well indian women batted first they could only get to 135 in spite of rodriguez and mandana again playing very strong hands but mm-hmm. the um, women again the new zealand women again suzy bates the other opener this time took over and scored a 60 and they had a strong opening partnership that basically meant there was not it and the score was not so tall that it was going to be tough right mm. so that basically meant the new zealand women comfortably chased the target down um, mm-hmm. the only thing the interesting thing they made it a little bit too interesting in the end it was going to be always a comfortable chase but they chased it off the last ball so they they stretched it to the 120th ball of their innings and but they still clinched the victory so the series is gone for the indian women's team but i think harman preet kaur has come out and said that they've had a lot of learnings between the one days and the t20s right so this is like a quick round up of what's happening and again tomorrow the mm-hmm. new zealand and the india women first play a t20 and then 
the men's team get to play yeah you know when when the when the match is played tomorrow i hope that uh, um, nothing really <laughs> controversial comes up like we had uh, regarding drs uh, the other day with uh, darrell mitchell in the second t20 uh, between ah, right, right 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 you remember that one you know he was given oh, out lbw yeah. and uh, sneko said there was no edge but hotspot showed an edge but then it was inconclusive and then they stood you know they stuck with the on field decision of out uh, well, what's your opinion on that <laughs> it it was a very weird event so you when you when you're especially playing out these replays on the big screen the entire crowd and the players could clearly see first of all sniko mm. did not pick up an edge but hotspot mm. showed an edge so i think currently the trend or the ruling from the world body is that in such situations sniko always has a higher weightage than you know the hotspot because i think hotspot technology uh-huh. is not completely worked out through all its kinks because earlier when the hotspot was introduced if you remember mm-hmm. there were already some issues with uh, some parts of the bat being highlighted because of the type of stickering on it or the <laughs> you know the, when the batsman appear apply some tapes to the edges to keep the bat edge from uh, you know splitting mm-hmm. these sort of had a higher let's say rating on the hotspot because of these mm. things the technology is still being sorted out and this basically means i think the sniko always has a higher value so, so sniko is more reliable than a hotspot in this case uh, exactly. but what about ball tracking is that all bulletproof well i mean with ball tracking i think uh, i think if you remember the indian cricket team was the last team to accept drs mm. usage right so they fought yeah. it for two years so. especially with the uh, under dhoni i think when when dhoni was the captain he was really hesitant to uh, you know approve of this uh, drs uh, technology he, he didn't allow that he was Indeed. one of the uh, influencing factors there mm. correct you are absolutely on. right go on mm. and uh, also the some of the previous uh, seniors in the team dravid tendulkar i heard were not very comfortable because as you said the ball tracking technology has come a long way in the la- last five years or so in its initial phases the ball tracking technology was not really reliable when it especially when it came to bounce right they were not sure about whether the bounce of the ball was always correctly predicted so because of this the indian team was unhappy this seems to have been again sort of become a minor incident because darrell mitchell i think when he was dismissed we saw him sort of go and even appeal to rohit sharma or even have a chat with him saying why don't you withdraw the appeal or some such right and mm. it was very clear it looked odd so this might be something the icc may have to think and sort of talk through with the authorities that not all replays need to be showed in fact none of those replays need to be showed you know it's nice mm-hmm. for the audience they get to see it. but mm-hmm. when such a faux pas happens when such a yeah. blunder happens on a big screen in front of the yeah. entire audience it's tough to explain that but right? maybe they they can do this and i think uh, they can show the replays of that you know ball tracking uh, hotspots nico what not after a delivery has been mowed uh, bold uh, you know uh, subsequent to the dismissal because ah. then the d- dismissal cannot be reversed but that would still like what happened today days. you know like what happened today uh, with uh, this guy with uh, alzari joseph bowling a no ball ah, uh, ah. and ben stokes even had walked back to the dressing room yeah. uh, but uh, umpire rod tucker wanted to check the no ball and then he checked the no ball ben stokes was out and then jo- johnny besto was already out onto the field you know he, i see uh, oh, and then oh. they they set back johnny besto and then uh, called back uh, ben stokes because it was a no ball and ben stokes had basically you know um, is he had removed all his uh, gear like head you know gloves and uh, helmet and everything and then so he had to pick everything up and then run downstairs uh, back to the field i'm sure so, he's happy though <laughs> but but there was but uh, i think i heard this on commentary uh, maybe michael atherton clarified this i don't know whether it was michael atherton or nasser hussain 
what they said mm-hmm. was the law states that if a batsman has been dismissed and if he has walked out mm-hmm. uh, back to the pavilion or the dressing room mm-hmm. um if uh, a ball has been bowled subsequent to the dismissal then the batsman will not be allowed to come you know uh, come back and take strike even if he was even if it was a no ball uh, of course no no once the so ball this is, is the law so there was a bit of a discussion of between uh, the west indian captain brathwaite and then the bowler joseph and also with the umpires asking uh-huh. why he was being called back you know after such a long uh, delay so this was well within the law so maybe i mean maybe it would have also been uh, nice it would have been a nice gesture uh, by rohit sharma to you know ask uh, this guy uh, daryl mitchell to come back could have been no nah, they uh, could have withdrawn the appeal you're absolutely yeah i right. think yeah maybe that's for another day i think <laughs> indeed uh, yeah. this is a long discussion because i heard quite a few cricket pundits also debate whether it was the right thing but uh, i think khalil ahmed was asked about it at the end of the match in his post match mm. interview and he said they just went with the umpire's decision there's nothing wrong in that right there's a person yeah. not only one person giving a decision but another person reviewing it using tv technology yeah it was not their fault that uh, the replays were shown yeah. the replays were inconclusive Right. yeah and it 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 you know kind of brings back uh, brings back to the age old discussion age old topic uh, of walking or not walking <laughs> well in this case behind. he wouldn't have walked because <laughs> no. he, he was convinced he was not out and he knew it when he sort of asked for a mm-hmm. drs yeah, but anyway so, you're right yeah, yeah going forward i think maybe showing not showing the replays might be a good idea you know? i think that's good showing yeah. it late or not would still leave most of the people in doubt as to why are they giving it out mm-hmm. so you know some something to think about for the world body especially with the world cup coming up either you so also another thing maybe they could drive the company that is sort of doing the hotspot technology right maybe they could push mm-hmm. them a little set them a deadline before the world cup either you resolve it or either we'll not use it we'll go to another solution or not show it on tv or right. adopt this new technology of uh, that smart device which is installed on uh, a bat you know that ah, which Kumbles. our uh, our uh, our legend mr anil kumble has come up with uh, maybe that shows a spike on some uh, you know some some device some tracker uh, maybe they can use no. that you may have you may have a really good point here man because going forward all bats in international cricket may have to have a sticker as you say mm. and then it's they they already trialed this at uh, tnpl i think tamil nadu premier league they have already trialed this i see uh, i see yeah they, but i don't know how or when this will uh, you know be rolled out to for example domestic cricket or even ipl maybe ipl is a good opportunity for them to try this out correct no it's a, it's a very good point you bring up and so if they have already made a start uh, along these lines you can very well expect that maybe not one year or two year down the line but maybe five years down the line it might very well become a mandatory mm. thing that if you play international cricket your bat will have the sticker on it and the, mm. the sticker will automatically transmit the the let's say the uh, shock of an uh, you know impact or even a small grace or something so there there's still i'm sure some amount of research left to sort of get this in a correct way but it yeah. might be tried as you say in some yeah. domestic tour and 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 speaking of anil kumble uh, mm-hmm. two days ago on the 7th of february and uh, 20 years ago he claimed that uh, um, record 10 wicket haul against uh, pakistan you remember that Yes, man. 1999 at oh, Tarusha yeah. Kotla. <laughs> I remember watching it live. Fantastic! Yeah, so, yeah, I was unbelievable, unbelievable uh, uh, feeling. You know, it's it's, uh, yes. it's amazing. 20 years <laughs> when, ago makes when you look at old. it. When yeah. you look at it after all the emotion have has gone away, yeah. you can see some of those decisions were quite interesting. Yeah, but we, let let's not get into that. 
Indeed, indeed. Let's that, that's not, definitely a discussion for another day. Let's not talk about uh, uh, Mr. Uh, you know, Prakash. Well, now that you bring about, <laughs> now that you bring it up, you know, I'm from Bangalore. I should mention this, right? So, Anil Kumble Circle, the road leading up to Anil Kumble Circle is called Jay Prakash Road. You know that, right? <laughs> is that a yeah. coincidence? I'm, I'm, I'm sure Jay Prakash Road existed before Anil Kumble Circle was named, but. Highly unlikely that there may have been a coincidence in this. It sounds it like tongue-in-cheek tongue in cheek to me. I think so. Now, the Jay Prakash after whom the name, uh, the road was named was not this umpire. It, no, pre- it was some other Jay Prakash. Okay. Hmm. Indeed. So, but hmm. it's a nice joke nonetheless. So, it's a meme, I'm sure, that can be made when you say <laughs> Jay Prakash road leads to Anil Kumble circle. But okay. Yeah. All yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, cool. Going forward, some very nice discussions. I think I really enjoyed this section. And we, I think we may have even suggested something if the world body is listening. Yeah, I think DRS will always uh, come up with so many uh, suggestions. I think DRS is, is still a work in progress. Uh, uh-huh. So they will uh-huh. they will definitely have some improvement, there, some uh, areas for improvement, for sure. All right. Yeah. All right. Let's put this on our Twitter feed. I think this could be a good uh, place to bring it up. Maybe tag uh, ICC, <laughs> see if they yes, can ma'am. listen to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That seems like a very reasonable suggestion. Let's do it after this call. Yeah. Uh, cool. All right. Now, going forward, um if we were to quickly summarize uh, the remaining events so the other remaining international event was uh, south africa versus pakistan the third uh, t20 right mm. so mm. the series had already been clinched by south africa 2-0 so going into the last match pakistan sort of had a point to prove for themselves i think so they again they were able to take the consolation victory they won the match by 27 runs so batting first they scored 168 right mm-hmm. And then, um, in this case, uh, I think Mohammad Rizwan was sort of promoted up the order. He batted at three. So, Babar Azam, who's been in good form, sort of took, uh, uh, you know, started very brightly to score 23, mm. but then he was dismissed by Morris. And then Rizwan made a 26, and then Pakistan had a lot of contributions down the order. Malik had 18, uh, Asif Ali made uh, 25, Imad Wasim mm. 19, and then Shadab Khan chipped in with 22. I think Shadab Khan's last few blows were very instrumental because I think he hit three consecutive sixes mm-hmm. of, um, you know, Sipamla. Uh, no, not Sipamla, but Pahlukwayo. So, okay. in this case, he was able to, uh, you know, take away the momentum from Pakistan, from South Africa. They were mm-hmm. they were looking at a 150 sort of score, suddenly it ballooned to 168. Mm-hmm. And then... When South Africa came out to bat, Pakistan was really fired up, especially Mohammad Amir. I think he had a point to prove. So he took three wickets as well. Mm-hmm. Right. And then Henry Van der Dusen scored a 41, but nobody really clicked in the Pakistan, in the South Africa top order. And it mm-hmm. was left to Chris Morris, who scored a very attacking 55 of just 29 balls, but really nobody supported him. And then you know, it was a comfortable victory in the end for Pakistan. So uh, due to his very, you know. Uh, aggressive nature of finishing Pakistan's innings. Shadab Khan was named the man of the match in the last match. Mm. And due to his very good contributions throughout the series, David Miller was named the man of the series. Also the captain of uh, South African team, right? Of in course. He, yeah. he took over the captaincy from Faf because mm. Faf was resting. So, I think uh, this has been overall a good series again for South Africa. And for me, it's a bit of a surprise because in the limited overs formats, I always felt Pakistan would be the heavier or the stronger team. So, but it looked like South Africa edged them in both the one dayers and the T20s. So, unfortunately, Pakistan don't win any uh, any of the series in the store, and they go back uh, with a little bit of a disappointment, I must say. But 
also without surfaz i think there are a few other issues of the field as well right so i think it's fine i don't think their world cup preparations really took a big hit because mm-hmm. in the upcoming psl which starts in a week's time or so i think vicky hartar has hinted that pakistan um, you know the players who do well in psl would still be considered would still be able to put their hands up for the world cup right people like wahab riyas mm-hmm. and other people right they are they would be able to sort of uh, stake a claim to get a chance but in the world would cup. wahab riyas still be considered for a world cup spot do you think uh, he could be a bolter he could be an outsider because if you remember he had a very interesting contest with chen watson chen watson yeah in 2015 yeah. yeah so he is able to do that at the highest level and okay. you may not well i mean he has some issues with the coaching staff or the coaching staff are not happy with his fitness and so on and so on or his attitude mm. but if on the side he might be the 15th man on that squad for pakistan but he's not very consistent have... that's my uh, issue with him he's not very consistent that's the problem oh but you have usman shinwari in this squad who sort of similar you know he gets four wickets one day and but wahabriyas is much much faster than uh, this guy uh, shinwari i think consistently wahabriyas might be faster shinwari yeah. hits 150 occasionally but he also mm-hmm. dropped uh, drops down to 136 in the next ball so mm-hmm. you're not mm-hmm. sure about it so i think you might yeah. be right let's see i think it might be a nice you know contest between those but guys. they do play australia uh, at home in uh, in the uae uh, exactly. in march so that's exactly. not far away so, so once I, the australian one day team finishes the india one day leg i think they yeah. go to uae you're right yeah cool right okay now then so now we, this brings us to the other big thing we wanted to discuss this is the result of the ranji trophy finals yeah the domestic circuit in india right yeah the pinnacle of domestic uh, cricket in india ranji trophy the finals was played between uh, we we talked about this last time ajit vidarbha yes. and saurashtra and you had or i had predicted that i had wished that saurashtra would win and you had said as a counter uh, point that uh, vidarbha would win and lucky you vidarbha uh-huh. won so i owe, i owe you a jar of uh, jelly beans next time we sure. meet i'm going to pass it on to you why um, jelly beans though something to do with zahir khan or no just just as a tribute thanks i i'll i'll take them in uh, i'll take them in kidney beans if you don't mind i like them yeah. better than that sure. <laughs> all right okay all right i will uh, i'll make the change then cool right. um so uh, vidarbha and uh, saurashtra so all in all uh, this was played at vidarbha's uh, home ground in nagpur um and uh, i think we mentioned this in our previous episode that it was neck and neck in the first innings there was only a lead of 5 runs uh, for vidarbha Mm-hmm. and um when vidarbha came out to bat in the second innings they uh, they scored 200 all out it was mm-hmm. a bit of a struggle but then i think they made to that score thanks to uh, this guy sarvate mm-hmm. uh, who is actually a left arm spinner right so he he put yes. up a, an all round performance if you can call it that in this case so with that 38 runs he scored towards the end vidarbha were able to uh, you know come up with 200 and then uh, saurashtra were completely out last i think saurashtra were bowled out uh, in the second innings for 127 um mm-hmm. with no contribution unfortunately from dear old uh, cheteshwar pujara i think cheteshwar pujara kind of failed in this match mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. which is sad to see because i was hoping he would uh, do better than uh, one in first innings and uh, a duck in the second innings um mm-hmm. so there was no real contribution from uh, the middle order uh, and saurashtra kind of struggled um sarvate the man of the match he picked up six wickets in the second innings again uh, i think uh, worked out uh, pujara worked him out 
exactly um so twice so he, he must be his uh, what is it called um, you know uh, betwar yeah kind of and then um, i think in the end it was 127 all out and uh, vidarbha won by 78 runs quite comfortably uh, thoroughly deserving they retained mm-hmm. the ranji trophy um some other things to point out there um veteran india former india batsman uh, mr wasim jafar mm-hmm. if you look at his whole uh, season i think he had a prolific season and he is 40 years old remember that and he scored more than 1000 runs for uh, vidarbha this year and i think you mentioned offline three centuries yeah, uh, yeah in the yeah. season yeah. um so do you want to talk more about him and sarvate yes man so yeah. indeed these two men have been really crucial in vidarbha's victory right right mm. through the season so i mean just a couple of facts so one as you said uh, he scored uh, you know more than 1000 runs again this season at a very impressive average uh, 65 plus right and then not only that i think they i think his his experience and his mentoring sort of a role mm. in the season is very much appreciated by the vidarbha team right mm. he's not only contributing with the bat but also trying to get quite a lot of mentoring in for the next generation of vidarbha cricketers mm. this is point number 1 point number 2 as you said he's sort of trying to outshine his own nephew mm. who's uh, you know arman jafar i think uh, he's yeah. uh, he's Playing playing for Maharashtra, I think. Uh, Mumbai Maharashtra, or Maharashtra. Maharashtra, I think. Yeah. Hmm. I see. So I think this uncle is showing the nephew how it's done, hmm. right? And the other thing, um, he nearly had a four uh, turns in a row. I think a very bad pitch against Saurashtra itself earlier in the season. Otherwise, he would have had four uh, turns in a row at forty. The amount of, uh, you know, the the concentration and the fitness this guy is able to, uh, hmm. you know, bring out. It's fantastic. right yeah yeah so this is one one counterpoint the other one is of course uh, mr sarvate you know he mm. he's i read an article very interesting article on mm. rickin fawn how he comes from a very tough background where you know his father was paralyzed when he was very young and his mother became the breadwinner mm. and he he comes from a family of cricketers so his grand uncle also played for india right in the 50s and mm-hmm. so it's a well well known cricketing family in those uh, parts but uh it he had to really struggle to make it even to the ranji team and even leading up to this season he was not a regular in the yeah. vidarbha mm-hmm. 11 right so then he was able to break through and this was out of his breakthrough season he's already 29 but nonetheless you know it's promise coming through late but still he sort of repaying all those people that put all this hard work into his background to get him to where he is today mm-hmm. right uh, one other person i would like to mention quickly is the coach of vidarbha chandrakant pandit Yeah, you know, former India keeper, right? Yes, former mm. India keeper, indeed. Mm. And you know, this guy is quite something because in the last four years, you know, every at least one team coached by Chandrakant Pandit has been in the final in the last four years. So, and this guy has also won it with Mumbai previously as the coach. So right. he's he's okay. he's very good. He and, comes with uh, a pedigree. Yeah, he comes with quite a pedigree, and also mm. he, uh, if you look at the players, the, what they say, they say some person says he's like a twelfth man, some person says he's like my uncle to whom I can talk whatever I want. Some person says he's mm. a very hard taskmaster. You know, mm. it's very interesting. So there's there are a couple of very interesting articles on Cricket Four. One of them, one of them is about Chandrakant Pandit. The other one, I think you already sort of covered it in the previous podcast when you said how Cheteshwar Pujara was worked out, you know, in mm. the first innings. and there is an article that sort of also gives the same thinking quite a lot of impetus on how sarvate and between them the coach and sarvate they sort of worked 
how to get pujara out this could be sort of uh, you know blueprint for teams visiting india i'm worried uh, those people will be reading these articles but anyway that's uh, yeah but i think pujara will work on his weakness i'm pretty I'm sure, sure. Yeah. i'm sure he will it's not a weakness it's something that can happen to any batsman but you know in the first 10 balls we are all very very vulnerable even the first 5 to 8 balls so the other person i would like to just quickly mention is ganesh satish you know the karnataka former karnataka batsman who's now found a second home in vidarbha Mm. he's he's also been sort of sort of behind the scenes contributor to this scene but this season but previous season he was also a very uh, very major contributor so he sort of found a second home from home with the vidarbha team and he's really won two trophies two ranji trophies which he couldn't with right. karnataka so now just to finish this discussion off if you were to look at you know the ranji team of season that kicking for you know there is not a single name from the traditional powerhouses in the ranji like mumbai mumbai like mumbai like mumbai karnataka delhi tamil nadu none of these teams that have previously been winners uh, are usually known right. as powerhouses hmm. uh, they are not there you have punjab you have uttar pradesh you have vidarbha you have saurashtra you know hmm. all of these lesser known teams when it comes to the first class setup in india right hmm. rajasthan right rajasthan story in itself is a fantastic uh, topic to discuss probably another time we have a representative from gujarat and bengal all of these are not the most well known houses when it comes mm-hmm. to you know ranji trophy winners so it's a very nice thing to see that other parts of india where uh, i think dhoni was one of the you know out people yeah. who sort of broke out jharkhand, of the mold yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah jharkhand then you had kf you had all these people as well uh, rena openly credited that it was kf that sort of uh, leading influence in mm-hmm. that region so so on and yeah. so on it's it's nice to see you know other parts of india where there's enough talent also getting this opportunity and the entire 11 made up of none of these big stars right it is very nice to see But so do, who, do, do we have any potential uh, india players ah that's that that from is a season? tough question uh, from this season uh, i think we already the, have one right shubman gill shubman gill indeed has already represented india you are absolutely right uh, from the rest of these people i really can't point out one right away wasim jafar ganesh satish yeah. these people not sarvate might get his chance in the shorter formats we don't know but mm-hmm. he's probably more of a longer format bowler mm-hmm. and jaydev unathkat who was who's sort of on the fringes of the india limited overs teams for a while i think he he might still be able to make a case for himself he was not... the captain of vidarbha right exactly no no for saurashtra saurashtra sorry i'm sorry exactly. saurashtra yeah so he might get a chance fayas fazal fayas fazal i think who's the mm-hmm. who's played one one day with india he may get another mm-hmm. chance so there are quite a lot of opportunities for the shorter formats i don't really see any long formats options yet yet mm-hmm. but who knows you know there is dharmendra singh jadeja who sort of also a left arm spinner very much in the mold of the other jadeja so right. he might okay. he might he might you know he might also be considered so we'll see some some bright names there there is a bengal opener called abhimanyu ishwaran he might he might be very good as well but unfortunately as i said all of these roles i mentioned already has at least one if not two really good representatives in the indian team yeah. right just like we'll uh, karthik coming up against uh, dhoni exactly dhoni <laughs> so that that tends to happen whenever there is almost like this dynastical very strong performing team that sort of rules the world they sort of also sometimes affect their first class structure i think it happened with australia when those uh, all that big middle order was playing so there was a sudden drain where as soon as they retired exactly uh, let's hope these guys even though they might be sort of uh, 20s late 20s early 30s they might get their opportunity 
to represent in the upcoming you know seasons once this yeah. the cream has done its job yeah all right if you were to go forward let's quickly look at a uh, number of miscellaneous topics right so maybe we can begin by sort of quickly seeing that you know stark stark has sort of been injured and he will not be going to india for the limited overs tour right the yeah. five one days yeah. i think it's a good thing so you know, it's a good thing to rest him i think he sort of had a bit of mental pressure on him and he sort of took it out in the last test in sri lanka against sri lanka i mean so he took a 10 for right yeah and then i think it's sort of also makes sense that you test out the bench strength so they have picked out the two richardson jay and kane yeah right and of course there will be pat cummins so josh hazelwood still remains injured so he is he's not considered as well so this might be sort of a beastring uh, fast bowling attack that uh, australia are bringing and to india and mm-hmm. it's a good opportunity for them to try so out so cummins is the only uh, uh, you know uh, consistent guy so he is not exactly. he's, he's the only not you know, old guy but he's the only guy who has been there uh, also in the test series as well as here uh-huh. when it comes yeah. to this bowling attack from australia i'm very tempted to say um or i i must be a bit careful let me put it like this i'm very happy to see pat cummins sort of keeping up his fitness and sort of always being there or there about with the pakistan uh, sorry for the australian team right yeah. so these these one dayers and there are also two t20s to begin with and they're all sort of in a very tightly coupled bunch so in okay. a matter of just 25 26 days australia will play seven internationals seven international okay. matches so you can imagine six to seven matches so they'll have a very heavy workload so i'm sure the australian coaching staff is very carefully monitoring mm. you know this their fast bowlers yeah so that's one point the other one i think uh, mr shashank manohar the current icc chairman mm. he was invited uh, uh, to uh, you know sort of a ceremony by bcb the bangladesh cricket board and there you know he spoke up spoke out about the concern the you know, the premier body the icc has about test cricket and it's sort of you know dying days therefore you know they are trying to uh, they started this test cricket championships because they felt this was one way to capture the audiences back and also reignite the sort of um, you know a lot of uh, yeah. these things a lot of audience that may be lost to t20 and the trp ratings this jungle this thing right uh, yeah. medium let's say the last couple of things maybe one is that uh, australia have chosen to appoint ponting as assistant batting coach for world cup mm-hmm. they have hick already in the setup but they want to quickly you know uh use this guy's help use his use him in a mentoring role i think mm. uh and the other thing of course uh, i think shaker david shaker has chosen to step down as australian fast bowling coach and uh, troy cooley will be replacing him i think mm-hmm. uh, this sort of shows there may not be all sort of all bonhammy between the coaches in uh, australian setup but that's fine i guess you know this these sort of changes come and go but uh, yeah. lan gave him a very nice tribute saying he is speaking on behalf of all the bowlers when he says he really enjoyed working with him and so on right mm-hmm. now if you were to look at these other small things maybe uh, would you like to take over giri yeah like just to... one one small uh, mention of uh, women's cricket here uh, in uh-huh, australia domestic uh-huh. cricket So there was a game played between uh, there was a match played between South South Australia and uh, New South Wales. Mm-hmm. Um I think it was a 50 over game. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, South Australia were bowled out for 10 runs the whole team. Uh, wow. <laughs> uh, 10 runs and okay. within 10 overs. So 
I think the top scorer in that team in their team was extras, six runs, uh, and uh, the only other batsman to get a uh, get their runs uh, I think was uh, somebody called Mansell. I don't know the full name. Sorry, uh-huh. and she got four runs, and uh-huh. that's it. Um, so New South Wales chased down the score for the loss of two wickets. To be honest, so that's it's also a bit of a surprise. Ten runs, so they they made the chase uh, successfully. Okay. So it's it's uh, ten runs. The whole team getting out—it's a weird thing. I think uh, the, uh, the cricket info has called it imperfect ten, <laughs> like the perfect ten uh, Mr. Anil Kumble had in uh, 1999. This is imperfect and not a good uh, record to uh, uh, own. Well, yeah, that is a shocking thing. I mean, yeah, at the highest level or just yeah. uh, the yeah. first class level to notice that, but happens can happen. Okay, so that was a very eventful, eventful yeah. number of things to discuss this episode for us, Giri. So, yeah. if you were to look at what are all the things that are coming up you know, mm-hmm. in the upcoming episodes, we have still a lot of exciting things. So, you know, you have this uh, South Africa-Sri Lanka series coming up, right? Yeah. And these clutch of one dayers where Australia travels to India or, you know, all of these nice new tours. Then, of course, PSL mm-hmm. begins next week and BBL is sort of coming to its conclusion, right? Yeah. They have their semis and finals in about uh, seven to eight days' yeah. time, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. So nice. It's it's all good. So I think we have a lot to look forward to in the upcoming episodes. Before we sign off for this week, I would like to ask the trivia question for mm. this week. So the trivia question for this week is: uh, Wasim Jafar, about whom we had a few things to say this episode, has a very unique record when it comes to the Ranji Trophy finals. Can you name what is this very unique record that Wasim Jafar has when it comes to Ranji Trophy finals? This is the trivia question for the week. All right then, Giri. Uh, thanks a lot for your contributions and uh, very nice inputs this week. Yeah, okay. Thanks, Ajit. Uh, we'll uh, speak soon in the next episode. I think we'll have a lot to say next week as well, like you said. Uh, and uh, let's closely follow uh, England and West Indies Test matches. I think it's going to be a cracker. Indeed. Indeed. All right, then. So keep listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. And uh, don't uh, forget to get in touch with us through our uh, Twitter and mail. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast.